am not a fan of outer space. So okay. why should I be excited for a starship? Yeah, well, starship is... Has it been a long week? Do you need a break? Are you stressed? Stuck in your job? Maybe you need an escape. I'm Beth Dival. I'm Tatiana Abaro. And I'm Ezekiel Kajakai. And this is Escape Break, where we discuss all things escape rooms in Southern California. The good. The bad. The funny. And don't forget the awkward. Trust me, I wish I could. This show is just on the horizon. Get ready to sit back, relax, stop working, and take a break with us. Welcome in, Escape Breakers. It's Ezekiel Kajer Kai here on Escape Break. And we have an interview for you today from Wild Goose Escape Rooms. We have Camille Chartier. Yeah. And I said it right. So I'm starting off the episode smiling. How are you doing, Camille? I'm good. I'm excited for the summer season and things are going really well. So Yeah. Yeah. We're just about to hit summer. If you're listening to this show the day it airs, we're in June and... Tatiana and I are in Arizona, so Camille was nice enough to hop on the show with me so we could have some content for June while we're playing a bunch of escape rooms. We're going to learn all about Wild Goose today, but let's start with you, Camille. Tell the listeners what you do for Wild Goose and what Wild Goose is all about. Awesome. Uh, I'm the general manager of Wild Goose Escapes, an Orange County-based escape room. We have three locations and are still growing, which is exciting. I started as a game master there, went up to a manager of one location, turned into the general manager. And along with that, I do uh, some of the design side of things and the puzzle build and that sort of thing as well. So I'm trying to be involved in everything that I can be, but my main job is general manager of the company. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, Tell me how you wound up in escape rooms because doing a little research on you, I see that you have a background in acting and all a whole bunch in acting, not just your run of the mill. I want to be an actor, but you've, you've studied, you've done all this and now you're in escape rooms. How did you kind of stumble upon this road into the escape room world? Yeah. So the theater background, I've been an actor my whole life. I've been acting for 23 years, something like that. Um, And then did it all through primary school, all through junior high, all through high school, went to college for it. I did it at a junior college and then I did four years at a university. I have a bachelor's degree in theater. I have an associate's degree in theater and a certificate in, I specifically studied musical theater. So I have a bachelor's in musical theater and a certificate in musical theater. And I've done, I've done a lot of schooling. I really enjoy school in general. So I've done a lot of that. And most of it was focused on escape rooms or uh, no, that's not true. Most of it was focused on theater. I got excited. Um, I got really excited. Well, it was very well-rounded education, which I appreciated. So I did the acting side, but I also, along with that, I do stage management. I do prop building, set building, um, playwriting. I've written a couple one-act plays. So I've, I really tried to dip my toes in like everything I can in the theater world. I have worked professionally as a stage manager. I have worked professionally as an actor, but On the flip side of that, hilariously, I took during my community college days, I took about a year and a half off of theater to explore the complete opposite side of things. And I actually went into crime scene investigation 
Wow. Classes. Yeah. I was really close to actually getting a a certificate in crime scene investigation. Okay. But I got to a point where I was like, I don't really want to step away from theater entirely. And like the actual being, it takes a special person to really be in like crime scene investigation or, or um, detective work. And that like, that sounds really cool you're watching it on TV, but to do it in real life, that takes like a really special kind of person. And I got to a point where I was like, I don't think I could do that for the rest of my life. You know, 50 years of that. I don't, I don't think so, but like something artistic, I totally could, but I had my foot in these two worlds and I've always loved puzzles. Mm-hmm. I probably going somewhere. I promise it is. I know it sounds really weird, I'm but I've always, I've always loved puzzles of any kind. I really, in school, I really loved word problems and anything like that. I really like having to like out, do outside of the box thinking and things like that. And one of my strengths has always been problem solving. That's something I've gotten my whole life growing up is I'm a really good problem solver, uh, creative problem solving, especially creative writing and creative problem solving and just um, the creative side of things with very logical coupled then with leadership has always been a, a skill of mine. Um, whether people think I'm good at it or not, um, you know, I guess it's up for opinion, but it's, it's always been something that I've gotten. So all of that kind of collided, um, ever since I had heard of escape rooms or done them way back in the day, I was like, man, I really want to try one of those, but I'm nervous. Like I, I don't love competition a whole lot. And so therefore I'm not the most gracious loser. I've definitely gotten better over the years. When I was younger, I wasn't great at it. So I was like, I don't really want to play. Like I want to play, but I want to finish. Like I'm not going to be super satisfied if I don't. I'm going to feel dumb basically if I don't finish. Mm -hmm. And never having done it, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to try it and then like potentially lose. But I decided to do one. I did one for a birthday. Okay. The only thing I wanted was to go to an escape room. And it was great. Um, and my brother went with me and my brother is like a savant in a lot of ways. He is very, very smart at logic puzzles, math, science, and he's the hard stuff, the hard stuff, like quite literally genius. Um, if we ever have a problem, we're like, go ask Lee, Lee will figure it out. So he did the escape room with me. And then after that, we were like, man, that was really fun. Like the type of puzzles, we like those type of puzzles. We like the outside of the box thinking. So then it just became kind of became a thing that he and I would do wherever we could find it. This was back when like escape rooms were still kind of becoming a thing. It wasn't mm-hmm. exactly like the big pop culture movement that it is now. I, we started really slow. I'm talking like one every like six months or a year. Oh, that is really slow. Really I mean, slow. For the sickos like us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's definitely picked up now, but back then, I mean, it was also coupled with then we would also only do it when I was like home on breaks from school or something like that, because mm-hmm. I went to school in New York. Okay. So I live in California for anyone listening, but I went to school in New York. So I would only be home on breaks. And that would be like, can we fit one in? Does it work with our schedules? Do we have the funds to do it? Cause I also wasn't working while I was at school. Mm-hmm. So that was always kind of in the background. And then every year went by, I was like, I want to do another escape room for my birthday. That just kind of became a thing that I always wanted to do. And, um, I graduated school. I finished my bachelor's degree um, loved theater. And actually I finished school in the height of COVID. So I had to come home from school for my last year and a half of school. I did it all online, which is really hard to do with theater school. But while I was back home, even though it was COVID, like I had really blown through all of my savings and stuff away at school. Cause I wasn't working other than I was a stagehand on campus. I worked our touring theater and stuff like that. So I, I did do professional shows that way, but I just, I really wanted a job of some kind. And I saw that an escape room in Orange County 
uh, Wild Goose had interviews. And I was like, well, I'll go. I mean, I'm home from school for the foreseeable future. And I knew, I knew that Wild Goose did not hire seasonally because I had actually applied to them like a year and a half prior. Okay. And they were like, we want to hire you. You know, what, what's your schedule like? And I was like, well, I'm available for these months. And then I leave again for school. And they were like, ah, can't do that. We can't hire seasonally. So I, I knew going into it, it couldn't be a seasonal thing. So I went back to the interview and I said, well, I'm home from school for COVID and I'll probably be home for the rest of it. And then after that, I don't know what my plans are, but like, or at least a year and a half, I'm going to be in the area. So I applied again. And that's when I got hired at Wild Goose as a game master in the height of COVID while I was finishing school. And it was a very, it was actually, it kind of worked out perfectly where I was still able to do school full-time because I was a full-time student and I had all of my work for that. But then Wild Goose um, and being a game master, because it was in the middle of COVID, the way it was run at that point was we only opened up and they only needed a game master in if someone booked a game. Yeah. So it was very, very sporadic. Like I would maybe go in once or twice a week for just a couple hours and then I would get to go home. So it worked really well with my schedule. By the time I had graduated, I had been with Wild Goose for a number of months. And it just so happened that right as I graduated, the old manager of the location I was working at got another opportunity and was going to move on. So the owner called me and was like, we need someone new to run Fullerton. And at this point, there were only three of us working there. It was a really small staff because it was COVID. And she, you know, the owner at that, it was a different owner at the time, but she had uh, asked me to, you know, would you be interested in, I think she called it being the the shift lead or something. And I was like, okay. well, more, I'm running the location, even though there's only three of us. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, at that point I had graduated school. She asked me if I would take it on. I said, yes. And then from there, things progressed very, very quickly with work. And it just happened to work out that because the theater world was hit so hard with COVID and jobs were so scarce and so far between acting wise, you know, I kind of got into this place where I was like, I'm just looking for a creative outlet. I can't really go and do shows and perform and be intermingling with audiences or cast members as freely as I would want to, but I need something creative. I learned that back when I tried to move to crime scene investigation and it didn't work out. So I knew I needed something creative. And so the job when it opened up to be to step into a management position, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I just knew that I would get more hours and I would be more involved, which I did. Then the company got bought by new owners and everything progressed from there. And and that's what has snowballed into where I am today. But <laughs> it, it was a long marriage. And I still do the theater thing. I'm still very much an actor, but I've really started to focus on this being my creative outlet. And I take a lot of my education in theater. Works very well for escape rooms as far as storytelling character building, set building, being the immersive factor. So um, it ended up working out very, very well. But I, I am pretty fully committed to the escape room world at this point, unless, you know, NBC were to call me up with a contract for a TV show. But <laughs> other than that, which I don't see happening ever, but you never know. Other than that, I'm pretty, pretty fully immersed in the escape room world because uh, it, it lets me be very, very creative. Which That's I what like. we like to hear. There's, yeah. there's certainly that overlap, as you just mentioned, yeah. of theater, entertainment and escape rooms, not necessarily as long as a play or a movie, but right. there Sometimes is that element. There is, there is, like you get one hour shows. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. I feel in the good ones, like there is this storyboard process of how does this show play out with these random actors that rotate in every hour. Right. Now I know 
there's a whole long history of, well, what was box in the box to now, which is now wild goose. You mentioned it got bought by different owners, but there's been a, a cycle over there, even before you, one of the OGs of the escape room world, Amanda Contreras used to have box in the box. And so when wild goose took over, you guys inherited some of their rooms, some of the Fox in the box rooms. And then you started putting in your own rooms and, I think that's when you kind of made your stamp on the escape room world. Hey, we need to check these guys out. Do you play any part in the story writing or the set designing of some of the newer rooms that have come to be? Yes. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. To answer the question broadly, uh, yes. The Sasha Home of the Future room in Fullerton mm-hmm. is my baby. Um, uh, that was my original uh, concept, which I'm very, very proud of. Not, I did not like design and build the whole thing alone. It was yeah, very yeah. much of effort once I got there. But uh, that is one little claim to fame in the escape room world is um, Sasha with at risk of sounding egotistical is my brainchild. Uh, <laughs> I love her very much. But yeah, we're we're putting out new things. And, and I am very, I love our new owners. We have really wonderful owners currently who allow me to be really involved in the design side of things. So mm-hmm. I presented the original design of Sasha and... Um, worked really closely with the designers and the builders on that. I've gotten to our newest room in Huntington Beach, which is the Secrets of Shadow Point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one, I was involved with the creative side of it. We we ended up working with some outside builders on that one as well. So mm-hmm. it was another collaborative effort, but getting to input on like the name and um, after getting feedback, kind of reworking some of the story elements and that sort of thing. Um, I've really gotten to to be involved in like the story building and same with we also have an Irvine location flipping over to Irvine. We have um, our newest room in Irvine is the house next door. And that was kind of a um, another collaborative effort as far as the story goes and the purpose of the room. And um, one thing that I feel very strongly about is that there has to be a strong story and there have to be really strong motivations for being in the room because otherwise you're just solving logic puzzles without a direction. Yeah, it's not it's not as fun. It's the more that you have a story in place and the stronger the story is, the stronger the immersion is. Yes. And, you know, therefore, the stronger the game is, the stronger the emotional connection to it and all of that stuff. So um, I've really as we come out with new rooms, as we're bringing up new rooms, it's really been a great topic of discussion for us as a company of what's our story going to be? Um, how are we going to rope people in? What is the players? What is their role as they play? Do they have a character that they play? How does the game master interact? So we, um, I've really tried to instill that that mindset in myself as well as in coworkers, and we all work together to keep each other accountable as far as really trying to make the rooms as immersive as possible, which means diving into all of the factors of the story, the character, not just saying, ah, oh, that's a good enough story, but like, no, we can make it even better. So I don't know if that answered your question fully, but that was the long-winded vision. It does. It does. No, I think that's really important. Now, by any chance, were you a Disney Channel original movie kid? And I was not. And okay. people ask that all the time because they play Smart House and they're yeah. like, they play Sasha and they're like, this is like the Disney Channel Smart House. I've never seen the Disney Channel movie Smart House. Okay. Okay. Ever. Um, and so when when everyone started saying that, I was like, I, I have to take your word for it. I, I, I hope that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. I, no, I don't I, think there's smart house haters out there. I think it's a, a cherished memory. So if you had seen smart house and you play Sasha, you'll be right at home. But even if you hadn't seen smart house and you play Sasha, 
you will still have a great time because it's it's fun. There's a lot to do. And there's some unique elements that, you know, most rooms really haven't tried before in terms of the story. So yeah. what you're what you're talking about, about thinking through, like, is the story going to connect? Are people going to have a purpose? That certainly makes sense to me in, I was going to call it Smart House, in Sasha. <laughs> yeah. And in, in Shadowpoint too, I enjoyed Shadowpoint for what it was. Yeah. I do a lot of scary stuff thanks to some friends in my life that encourage me, I guess is the word. But I I had a good time and I had a few jumps in Shadowpoint okay. as well. Now, now, I don't know, when did you play Shadowpoint? So I played Shadowpoint probably in December or October, probably December, I think is what Okay, I it's changed a bit since you played it then. We, we got some feedback and we updated some of the story elements and things okay. like that. So hopefully only for the better. I thought it was a, a great game before. I think it's even better now. Um, but yeah. it, has changed, it has changed a bit since you last played it in terms of story element. And I think if I, if my timeline's correct, which I think. Okay. And then I have to check my timeline too. That's just out of my memory, which has a lot of random things in it. But do you like the scary rooms? Because as a general manager, you could have full force into let's do more scary rooms. Or you could be a general manager that says, we have a scary room because we want to entertain all audiences, but I don't like that room. I don't want to go in there. I won't even reset it. Um, I don't mind. Okay. I, I kind of other companies, I have like a tolerance for scary rooms, but only to a certain extent. Okay. Um, I do like the more thriller themes. There's not, I'm not someone who like gore doesn't bother me. Not that we use a ton of gore or anything like that, but like mm -hmm. that are like kind of use the atmosphere to be scary. That's yeah. fine. The scary rooms that I'm not a fan of are live actor rooms. And that's mostly because <laughs> as an actor, all I can think of is like, how many times have you had to avoid being punched in the face Okay. when you make a scare, you know? So like, mm -hmm. that's the main reason why I avoid rooms with live actors, um, which usually end up being scary rooms. I don't mind the scarier rooms. I know there's a huge fan base for them. People really like the scary rooms. Our Zodiac Killer Room is one of our top sellers. Mm -hmm. That's been around, you know, forever. Yeah, um, people still like it. And then the hope is to update that or even morph it into something new sometime in the future. And but keep keep the same theme. It's a serial killer theme for anyone who doesn't know about it. So I like that theme. I remember when I first played the rooms way back in like 2015, I think was when I first played the rooms that we currently have. I was most excited for Zodiac Killer because I do like that theme. I am one of those people who are like, I like true crime. I like the mm -hmm. more intense things. But I really do subscribe to the belief that at least with our company, we have to have something for everybody. I know there are some companies that really thrive off of doing the horror theme. And if, mm -hmm. if it's done well, like you go girl, get it, do all the scary rooms. But we have, you know, between we have three locations and we're looking at a fourth sometime in the future. We don't know when, but between the three locations, we have 13 rooms, 11 themes. I think, I think I'm correct on that. And if we had, you know, 11 horror rooms, that would be a whole lot of demographic that we are pretty much isolating out from playing it. Um, Cause we do get people that like, they want to bring their families. They want to bring kids. We've really tried to like offer something for everybody. However, we we don't have any live actors in any of our rooms. That is one thing that I've kind of <laughs> stood behind and I've talked to the owners and I've said, from a business standpoint, there's a lot of pros and cons you have to look at as far as like staffing the live actor. And yeah. What do you do if no one books the room? Is someone just waiting there all day? And someone to then run it on the back end, run the computers. There's a lot of logistics to it. Um, but I think with Shadowpoint, with Zodiac Killer, 
we have a good offering of the the more horror themed rooms. Some people will think they're very scary. Some people are like, oh, that was a good little jump. Yeah. You know, it's it's always subjective, but I think we offer something for everybody in terms of we do have the horror vein, we have the more lighthearted, fun, like elevate and sky or elevate and house next door in Irvine or mm-hmm. Sasha. And then we have the like creepier stuff. Like I would consider Zodiac more creepy than scary. I don't really think that one's too scary, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, from my experience doing scary things, if you don't like scary rooms or or you've never done a scary room and you play Shadow Point you'll you'll be scared if you play zodiac you might be scared but if you do scary things on the regular and you play these things you you'll probably be fine you might jump at a certain point depending on what happens and where you are but i would say shadow point specifically it's a good mix of puzzles and scare and that's the hard part with scare rooms in my opinion is yeah sometimes they lean too heavily on darkness and scare moments and then there's not enough puzzles i think you guys found a good balance in that one so i had a good time playing it. oh good thank you yeah, yeah. No, we really that was a big kind of dilemma was how how do you mix the scary and the puzzle because like you're saying i know that there are escape rooms um that are really those like intense horror rooms mm-hmm. and then a lot of times or sometimes i shouldn't say a lot of the time sometimes you will find that like if you strip out the horror elements it's like a beginner level game. And what really makes the game hard is the fact that you're being scared every five seconds. So like you're afraid to do something. Absolutely. Um, and we didn't want that. We did want Shadow Point to be like, you have no choice but to progress and you shouldn't be afraid to progress, but you should be nervous about going around the corner. So <laughs> that, that was kind of the way we looked at it. Yeah, I got caught a few times. So Good. congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So there's no part of you though that wants to be an actor yourself in one of these rooms not particularly not in the room okay i guess i guess it would depend on what theme it would be okay um like i said my i just i can't imagine how many times people have like almost been punched in the face or actually hit um being a, a live actor but i guess that also only applies to like the scary rooms you could have a live actor in like a i don't know a jail room and they're the wardens sitting out, you know, like it could right, be a right. team, like there's really no risk. I think it, it could be fun. It also would highlight one of my huge acting insecurities, but I hate doing improv so much. Okay. Oh God, I hate it. I'm really good at it. At it's on point. your resume. I know it is. And it's because I'm, I'm, I'm going to sound egotistical here, but I'm really good at improv. <laughs> like better than anything else at theater i'm really good at improv and it is the one thing that i hate doing more than anything in theater which is such a contradiction but it's true i really don't enjoy doing improv and i know that i'd have to do a lot of it in an escape room right right which the setting i i would i know that i would be fine at it the setting you know you're not doing it like in front of an audience you're doing it for four or six or eight or how many people are in the room yeah i don't know i i think <laughs> i, I I haven't done a whole lot of research into the live actor rooms. I've only ever played one room with a live actor in it. Which was? I did the Weeping Witch at Crossroads. Oh, okay. So which, not not a lot of verbal acting, at least. I've read mixed reviews on as far as like verbal acting, live actors in an escape room. Weeping Witch was was brilliant. I yeah, thought yeah. they really tackled the live actor element. I mean, I know I've only done the one, but like, in a pretty perfect way. I couldn't really think of any way that I thought it could have been improved. So, but even that still, I was like, oh man, you're still risking it. You jump, you get it. You're hearing yeah. other people. They must get spooked. So yeah, I don't know. it's something to think about. Obviously I, it's not just you who calls the shots at wild goose, but 
the Weeping Witch actor, it's a one game master experience. Right. Right. So they have it kind of like scened out where the witch is only there at certain times. But one room that hopefully is on your to-do list is Ministry of Peculiarities. Yes. They yeah. have an in-game actor with a lot, a lot of dialogue. Yeah. And you can, I would love to kind of talk to you again and see how you feel about that game after you played from yeah. your perspective, studying, acting, and all that. Okay. Actually, now that you bring that up, this a little side note. I don't know. So back when Crossroads had the trust experiment with mm -hmm. the psych ward, brilliant game. I will talk. I love Crossroads. Great. Oh my goodness. Amazing games. I worked for Crossroads for about two weeks. Okay. Um, and I absolutely, like I said, I adore them. I love the company and I, scheduling ended up not working out, which was just the way life was going. Scheduling just wasn't going to work. But for the two weeks that I did work there, I worked in what then was known as psych ward and what later became trusted. Mm -hmm which is now weeping witch they right. you know into space but um so the one game i was trained on was psych ward which i had to be the nurse in the room that does have a live actor component okay. but that's not a, it wasn't exactly an escape room true that's so tough. that was like a weird i see facilitating experience because it is one game master running the game but you run half of it in that game i'm not gonna i don't want to give away you know how they run their game I had to be in the room for portions of it to facilitate specific puzzles at specific times. Yeah. And then you would leave the room. So that was an interesting experience. I think Crossroads does it really well. They're, they're in actor experience. Like they, they're, I, I would take a page out of their book in terms of how to do it well. Cause they really plan it out and they, they, at least I, what I remember from Psych Ward, it was very, it was almost like timed. Like at this point in their game is when you have to go in, which seems to work really, really well. And I would, I would have to assume, I don't know, that they kind of do the same thing for Weeping Witch is at this point in their game is when you enter no matter what else is going on. So I think that would be something if down the line Wild Goose chose to implement it, we would have a converse. I, I would hope that we could have a meeting with Maddie and Luke over at Crossroads because they seem to really have a good formula for how to do it well yeah. so that it serves the game and it doesn't become a distraction or anything from it for sure for sure yeah. i think yeah. those that are listening are all rooting for you to do the thing you hate one day in an ah. so just keep that in mind yeah, yeah people hire, rooting hire for someone you. else to do it i'll be on the back end <laughs> okay so let's talk about you as a player how many rooms have you done to this point today to this point i think it's at 48 Okay. More. I know some people are going to be like 48. That's it. And then some people are like, you know, I tell people that at work when I'm like, yeah, I've done like 48. They're like, whoa. Then I have to go. That's nothing. There are people that have done 1200 rooms, you know, like <laughs> I'm a baby in the escape room industry. But uh, yeah, 48. 48 is the number and, and growing, counting. Money is the biggest factor in that. It, you got to have money to go play. It really is. It's definitely getting more and more expensive. Now, of those 48, you mentioned Weeping Witch. Mm -hmm. Do you have maybe a, a two favorites that you could recommend or three favorites you could recommend? If I can recommend a wild goose room. I mean, Sasha <laughs> is always going to be one of my all-time favorites Okay. Um, in theme and execution and all. I absolutely love yeah. Sasha. I think it is just so great. Hex room at Crossroads, which probably okay. mentioned all the time. It's a great room. I just, uh, I think the most recent one that I played was 40 Thieves. Over nice. Mind Trap. That was genius game. I mean, we were talking about it all the way home and just, really picking apart all the elements that we loved that would probably be up there in, in a top three spot okay um, 
And the other one off the top of my head would be 13th Basement over at Exit Game OC. Yeah, yeah. All, all great games. I, I mean, yeah. fortunate enough to play all those games. So I can I can agree with you that those yeah. are all fun games. Nice, nice. Well, 48 is a great number. It's more than a lot of people. It's more than yeah, I got to build it. <laughs> but it's it's more than the, the general player. We as escape room enthusiasts, people that run podcasts, people that are general managers, we are in a weird tier of our own that it might seem really big and at times it is but i still feel we're the minority there are more people out there that maybe haven't even played an escape room or if they have they've played two to five yeah and it's because of like work team building events or something right like that. oh yeah no we get customers in where it's it was funny it actually happened the other day where we had people come in and we we like to ask them oh have you done escape rooms before and they're like oh yeah we've done escape rooms. And so my coworker was like, Oh, so you've done a lot. And they're like, yeah, no, we've done, we've done a bunch of them. And, and, you know, we kind of, my coworker has done, I think like 120 or something. So she always, okay. it and she's like, would you say you've done like 10? And they were like, yeah, like at least eight or 10. And we were like, all right. <laughs> yeah. General yeah. public is sitting here thinking eight or 10 is a lot. Meanwhile, <laughs> you know, I know people that have done 600 or 1200 or where, whatever their number is at now. So I would right. love to get there one day. You will, you will. Uh, for the money to not play such a big factor. But yeah. then again, it's a business. And that's, I mean, hey, that's how I'm getting paid is people are paying to come play our rooms. So. It's true. It's true. Slow and steady wins the race. And yeah. I'm glad to kind of hear your perspective because it sounds like you care a lot about the end result of the room. Now, Wild Goose itself, because of how you guys became Wild Goose, as mentioned, you have some games from the past. Mm -hmm. And You've seen the success of kind of your original games, the Sasha, yeah. the Shadow Point. And how do you feel? And of course, this is I'm putting you on the spot to be like yeah, PC right now, because maybe your boss is listening. How do yep. you feel about some of the older games that you guys acquired that are still there? We know or I know and, and those listening should know that changing a game takes a lot of time and money. So you yeah. can't just say this game is very old. Let's get rid of it. Let's bring in a new game quickly. Right. It really takes a lot of time. So how do you go about having some of those older games? We, you know, make the best out of it. Um, some of them are, are really good games. I will say like tried and true people like it. It is just, um, I think Zodiac killer is a good example of it as an OG game and, but it's still a fan favorite. People still love it. There's really great components of it. But one thing that we've tried to do is if, um, because like you said, it, there's a lot that goes into replacing a room. And I don't think people realize how much goes into replacing a room. Yeah. That's another question we get all the time from customers is how often will you change out your rooms? And my answer is after it's been around for usually at least five years. And they're yeah. like shocked. And but if it's not making any more money, like if it's still bringing right. in money consistently, exactly. we're keeping it. Like Zodiac Killer in our Fullerton location has been bringing in money for like eight years now. Mm -hmm. And it's still a fan favorite game and it's still working its butt off and doing the job. So there's not a rush to replace it. Um, in that sense. But like you said, there's a lot that goes into it. So um, in terms of working with the older rooms, we try to take the skeleton and especially once, once the new owners acquired Wild Goose, they've really made it their mission uh, to, I call it upcycle where we can, because you know, we have, we have things in the works. We have another new room that's in the works for Fullerton. It's a spaceship room coming. It's called Starship. If anyone's interested, Starship. Okay. Um, we can chat more about that that one. Um, but that one's coming to Fullerton. And then we have another new run to coming to Huntington Beach later this year, which I am not allowed to reveal the theme of yet, but there is a new one coming to Huntington Beach. Okay. Um, 
the new owners that we have are, are in a position where they they can really um, or they really want to produce something new as often as they can, wherever they can. Mm-hmm. But it has to be a slow roll, right? So one room at a time. But as we do that, that means that nothing else can really happen major with the other rooms that are there. So what we've done is we've really kind of gotten together and, and thought, what about the room could be improved? That can be that can be something we can do because, you know, while I have experience, yes, I, I came up with the Sasha design and yeah, I've built sets for theater and that sort of thing. I don't have the knowledge necessarily to go in and like rewire or re-engineer. Like we have to still work with the bones of the room that is there. So for example, um, like I think our prison room in Huntington Beach is a good example of this. We inherited the prison room and it was played a certain way and it worked that way. But as we watched it more and more, we just realized, man, I think it could be better if there were these elements and we found a way to do it that we considered like kind of the cheap way to do it um, and not in execution, but in terms of like, oh, we can buy the materials ourselves and it's not something that needs a lot of engineering. It's something that we can build and create and, and input without having to close the room down and do construction and that sort of thing. Like we could do these kind of manual manual overhaul and and refresh the room in that way. So that's one way we've tried to look at the rooms. We've tried to look in any way of how can we improve it um, with the old company, the one that we were coming from, there was an old rule about like um, the way hints could be asked for. You could only ask for hints every so often, which I think was mm-hmm. a, some escape rooms have like rules of that. And we got to a point where we just decided why, you know, why, why yeah. does it have to be played that way? And I, we really tried to take that approach with all of our rooms where we go, if someone's not figuring it out, why does the puzzle have to stay the same? Then let's change, you know, and that's not to say we don't want everyone to just breeze through it immediately. I firmly believe that the puzzles still need to challenge you. And, you know, we would love to see every group escape, but I'm not going to make the room so easy that every group makes it without any help. Like that's kind of the point is that you're there to solve the puzzles. Mm-hmm. We we take the look at the room and we'll go, is there any part where like groups consistently get hung up on every single group that plays and that that actually happened in the prison room. There was one puzzle in particular where we were like, maybe one out of a hundred groups will actually solve this on their own. And that was a puzzle where we went, all right, paint over it. And we're just going to throw We're going to come up with something else to go in there. And we ended up um, with like the prison room. Uh, it took us about two days. I think we closed the room for two days and we had made all the props on the back end pretty easily. We just like, we went on Amazon and we looked for things that we need and we thought what's the easiest way to convey the information without having to spend a ton of money to do it. Um, and we were able to get props and get all the props together. And then um, we closed the room down for a day or two to just implement all of it. And then we had a couple groups come in and play through it to make sure that it worked. Cause that's something else people don't factor in when it comes to opening a new room is like, <laughs> you might open it and the public goes, I have no idea how you got from A to B to C that mm-hmm. makes zero sense at all. And then you're like, Oh shoot. Now we got to be closed even longer to now, rework that, you know? Um, so we built kind of a new layout of the game, a new game flow, inputted the props, had people come and test it. And then we realized that works. And we just kind of, we keep doing that with all of our rooms where we'll go, if this section isn't working, what is something we could do that would work that we can, we can still use the bones of what's there. Cause some of it is just engineering. You can't get around it. You have to use this thing that is going to open when they put this cup in that place, it's going to open it. But we've really tried to look at like how to just kind of, I guess, connect the dots more for the players, because that was one thing that we realized the old rooms, some of them had, I don't think they have it anymore. We've really, 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 really tried to make the rooms have a lot more cohesion. 
Yeah. But I think, uh, an old way of thinking in escape rooms is it needs to be challenging and therefore we have to leave a lot of it to, to the player to figure out, which is like <laughs> true and not true. You know, there are some things where it's like, yeah, you want to leave it up to them. It, that's part of the, the logic puzzle, but it's not fun anymore if they're just never going to think of it because you didn't put that smiley face that's on that picture also on this picture so they know to correlate the two. Like they're not going to correlate the two just because they're both in a picture frame. Um, so we've really tried to just look at the rooms in terms of our, from a customer perspective. When people play it, what are they liking about it? What are they getting frustrated on? We really try to listen to the feedback. And if customers say, this puzzle made no sense, we take it with a grain of salt. And sometimes it's okay, that one group couldn't figure it out, but none of the other groups are having that problem. We try to look at um, the room as a whole from a player perspective and go, if I were playing this for the first time, how, what would make it more fun? What would make it more enjoyable? How would it make more sense? While, while they're all, I will say, I, I feel pretty confident to say that all of the wild goose rooms that are older, mm -hmm. that are not original wild goose rooms, are in a holding period until they get replaced with something new. Eventually they all will be. It's just, you know, because it takes so long to replace them. It's going to be a one at a time thing. And as the company grows, but. Okay. That, that brings joy to my heart yes, because. You will be getting lots of new ones. You probably know, because I know you're the general manager or your boss knows, but I am not a fan of your zombie room. I, oh yeah. I want that to be the first thing to go. But it's, and it's not a wild goose room. It is, it one is of not a wild goose room. Yeah. And that is, you know, and that's one of those things where we look at that and rooms like that, that get mixed reviews. Some, we, we try to approach it from like, like I said, what can we change and what do we mm -hmm. just have to grin and bear? And what, what if it works really well? Cause there are elements that work really well. Sometimes all that it takes to kind of refresh a room is also to rebrand the room. Um, yeah. we realize that can work really well. Even like historically great escape room builders in crossroads they kind of fell victim to that with trust experiment yeah is people were like oh i want to play this because it's crossroads and then they're like wait it's not an escape room so right. it can happen even to like establish great ones based upon the perception of the public and what they're getting into for sure for sure so yeah we really are um looking forward to changing things out and uh, like you mentioned earlier, it, it's also based on like sales. What is selling? Mm -hmm. What are our top selling rooms and what are our mm -hmm. not top selling rooms? And, you know, the ones that don't sell the most are the ones that are going to be replaced first. Yeah. Um. So zombie is here to stay for a little bit longer. It has gone through what we call the refreshes. Okay. I guess, um, as much as we can. Um. Did you play it in Huntington Beach or in Fullerton? I played it in, it in Fullerton. Okay. Yeah. Because we played Sasha the same day. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. And what a difference, right? Playing Zombie right. and playing Sasha. It's so true. And and the funny thing was, is when I booked the games, I booked Sasha second because I knew it was the original game. But based upon like time slots available, and I think we showed up a little bit early, mm. our game master was like, do you guys want to do Sasha first? And we we're like, sure. And ah. so we did Sasha. So we're on this high of Sasha. And then we played Zombie. And keep in mind that my, my group is people that have played, you know, 300, 200 escape sure. rooms each. So, sure. and, and have built escape rooms. And so we were, we had saw a good time. It was just such a difference in rooms. Sure. And I was like, man, that like, that's a clear difference of who built that game. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, zombie in Fullerton, um, we do have a room that is being worked to eventually replace it hopefully next year. So, okay. so new room in Fullerton coming this year is starship. Okay. Next year, there is another new room 
hopefully I say that with a grain of salt and I hope I'm allowed to say it. Please, Chris and Haley, don't kill me for talking about it on a podcast. I know that there is a room in the works and I believe it is to replace the zombie room. Hopefully next year. It, it is something where I was actually talking on the phone with Chris, who is one of our owners. I was talking on the phone with him today and you know he was just sharing that he, the goal is to open that room next year in 2024, but also we have definitely come to realize through trial and error of opening new games, how important it is to not rush an opening yeah. um, to really make sure it's fine tuned and everything is right. So as much as I say, the goal is for it to open in 2024, I feel pretty confident that it would. I just don't know when in 2024, because yeah. it'll all depend on like, is it ready to go up or are we still not happy with the final product? Cause we've, right. we've really learned sometimes <laughs> the hard way that you can't rush an opening and Starship is a good example of that. Starship, they've been working on that for over a month now. It's got to be. And um, we don't have a projected opening date yet. We know it's going to be this year for sure. Okay. I think originally the project the projected date was end of summer. Now it might look like it's more of like end of summer, beginning of fall or mid fall or something like that. Because it's one of those things where um, the Starship room is going to have a lot of new integrated parts that are kind of being, from what we understand from the escape room industry kind of tried out for the first time, hopefully kind of a pioneer of its own. And that means there's going to be a lot of testing and fine tuning to make sure that we're, we're really happy with the final product before we're opening it up to the public for just anyone to come and try it out. So. Excellent. Um, yeah. But new things are coming and okay, it will hopefully only continue to get better and better and better. Okay. Well, as we kind of come to the end here, I have two more questions for you. They're Great. quick, but puzzle yeah. lover to puzzle lover, can you give us any sort of vague clue to what that theme is going to be that you can't talk about? Oh, man, I don't even know if I can do that. I guess what I, oh, man. Well, I can tell you what room it's replacing. Okay. All right. And you can kind of go based off of if you've played it, if you know the space. Okay. It is replacing our Tesla's mystery room in Huntington Beach. Okay. Tess, I can talk about Tesla's mystery. Tesla's mystery <laughs> um, takes place in a hotel room in 1943. So that's kind of the space that we're working with. And the new room is uh, going into the same space that Tesla's mystery is currently in. I think we're looking at a September-ish opening date for that new room. Okay. Hopefully we'll be announcing it soon. So just keep an eye out because you're strong. We announce it, it you're will, strong. I, I, I know I was that it's happening. You. I know. I thought I was going to get you. Okay. Here's I my know. last question for you. So- okay. I know you might not listen to every single episode of the show, but if you happen to listen to the right episode, you will know that I am not a fan of outer space. So why <laughs> okay. Why should I be excited for a Starship? Yeah, well, Starship is a really exciting collaboration. I can understand the hesitation about outer space. And I, I do think, you know, escape rooms we have this hive mind. There was a wave of all the zombie rooms coming out. And then there was a wave of all the serial killer rooms coming out. And I don't know if we're getting into a wave of outer space and spaceship rooms coming out. It almost feels like we are. Oh, um, I would hate so that. I don't know. I don't know. Only because I know of another escape room that is building like an alien mm -hmm. type room. But this one is going to have how, how was it? You know what? I think, excuse me while I look at notes here, because okay. someone wrote it down for me, like the best way to, to describe it. Because I challenge. Here we go. It is combining digital and physical elements 
And it's, it's not a video game room, but it has interactive digital and interactive visual elements. And it is going to be extremely immersive with an entire, those digital elements. They're like, the goal is that there's an entire digital world that you can explore. Okay. While still having the escape room elements. So it's, it's kind of like this hybrid of physical immersion paired with the digital immersion and like all of that slams together to create the starship experience where you are. It's, it's just, it's, can I, Oh God, I'm going to make a horrible pun here out of this world. Right. (laughs) But it's, it's, it's looking like it's going to be really, really um, tech-based, very forward thinking, very, very immersive. um, Definitely more digital, um, for, uh, not, uh, I, I want to be careful how I say that not digital forward and not like you're sitting at a computer playing a game, right? Mm-hmm. But like the digital immersion, as far as really trying to transport you to another world, like you're looking through a screen and oh my goodness, that's not a TV anymore. That is planet Neptune, wherever you're at, like okay. the digital immersion paired with the physical immersion. The goal is for it to really, really, really be next level. Nice. Nice. I'll, yeah, I'll play. Of course I'll play. I mean, I'm a you junkie. Gotta come out and try it out. I'm a junkie. We're friends. So I will play. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll, hey, I'll plug it. The, the builder, if you played a uh, curse of the black Knight or attic or anything over at escape X. Okay. Uh, Curtis who built curse of the black Knight. And nice. All of those over there. Great builder genius. He is uh, helping us with this one. This is his brainchild. I hope I'm allowed to say that. And you know, he's a great, great engineer. So hopefully he's not mad at me saying that. Um, no, no, it's all good. No, we're, no, it we're... gives me a lot of confidence because I think Curse of the Black Knight, going back to your question about best rooms, that yeah. would probably be up there in, in top three or five. Curse yeah. of the Black Knight. So we have Curtis on board who's helping us with the digital immersion and, and the physical immersion. And it's it's looking really cool. We've seen some of his prototypes for like the digital world that you explore and the interactions within the digital world. And it looks pretty darn cool. So that's awesome. Like a live, yeah, a live experience. It should be pretty freaking cool. That is awesome. Yeah. Curtis is definitely on the short list of really innovative builders. So that's, that's really cool to hear. So, well, Camille, this was great. Hopefully everyone listening, whether you played wild goose or not, now you know about it. So go play it. Go check out Sasha for sure. That's Camille's baby. It is. And check out the other rooms. Whichever themes kind of spark your interest, check them out too. And where can people follow Wild Goose? Where can they book games? Yeah, we have uh, go to wildgooseescapes.com to see all of our locations, all of our themes, all of the availability and all of that stuff. On Instagram, it is wildgooseescapesoc for Orange County. Yeah, you can always send us an email. You can come in and visit us. And we are open seven days a week all the time. Uh, and we're only expanding from here. Like I said, keep an eye out for new locations, new rooms, new everything. The goal is to continue to grow the company. Love to hear it. Thank yeah. you so much for being on today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was great to do it. Of course. Hey, Kai, guess what? No, don't say it. I need more time. Uh, break time is just about over. But Tati, what if they want more? They can tune into the next episode. Next episode? Of course, there's so many more escape adventures to share. Well, what can they do between now and then? They can like us on social media. Share this episode? Yes, absolutely. And what if they are new to the show? Then I think they should go back and listen to all the great episodes. Awesome. And don't forget to send in your questions to us 
and be sure to tune in soon for your next escape break.